Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hello, everyone. This is Kevin L. Jackson, and welcome to Digital Transformers on Supply Chain Now. I'm greeting you today from Washington, D.C., the nation's capital. And right here next to me, keeping me safe, is Scott Luton from the ATL. Hey, Scott, how are things today? Kevin, always a pleasure. Uh, it's gorgeous here in the metro Atlanta area today, and uh, it's an honor to be uh, your wingman as we get through this conversation here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But today is really, I like this because we're going to talk with one of our favorite repeat guests, and we're going to talk about the latest business challenges and how organizational leaders are really looking around in their business process to free up their team members from doing those mundane things like going through the inbox and trying to focus on creating value. You know, I mean, every day you get hundreds of emails got blocking and tackling and just trying to get to something that's, that's valuable. And we're going to be talking to Dan Reed, the lead sales for Esker US. Hey, Dan. Hey, how are you? Nice, nice to be back. Good to see you both. You no, too, Dan. It's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I know you've been doing a lot of thing with wildlife, but God, where are we going to start this conversation today? Well, gosh, you, you, you're talking blocking and tackling. We could talk football. We could talk American football. But what we're, we're really going to start with is some travel, some recent travel adventures Ooh. that Dan has been on. And Kev, we're going to, we're going to, uh, you're not going to get out of answer to the question either, but you know, Dan, <laughs> Dan, in our in our kind of calls between the calls as we tee up these uh, conversations, man, not only did you send me pictures, but you told me some great stories about a recent trip to Corsica. So tell us where, first off, on a map for some of those folks that may be geographically challenged like I am, let us know where that is and give us a couple of highlights of your recent trip. Well, Corsica is located between uh, France and Italy. So it's an island uh, it's an hour's flight from uh, Lyon, so in, there in the south, uh, very popular. Kind of the, the islands traded hands several times over the years. Uh, the Italians invaded uh, during the Second World War, and then I think they were encouraged out of there in 1943. So it's interesting because when you drive around, the radio stations are predominantly Italian, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a French. Um, I, th I think the right word is colony. They referred to France as the mainland, or, or but yeah, I, I think it's a uh, a good place to go. Interesting place. I've heard good things about it. Very nice. Oh, but I didn't have a very good time. I mean, it was a lot of work. It was very mundane. It was, it was, it was a hard time. You were blocking wow. and tackling all day. But Kevin, right. I think we were on a live stream and I shared a snapshot or two. So, so Dan, some of the images we shared earlier, it's like you're on top of some mountain peaks looking over some kind of bay and it was absolutely gorgeous. What, what were you doing? Hiking and, you know, tiring my boss out because anytime you're going to negotiate, it's always good to take your, take your boss out, hike him for five or six hours or he or she, and, and then ask for that raise, you know. Now, um, yeah. So we, we, were, um, we were hiking. We went out and hiked for a few days before the, uh, our, our managerial work event. I like to do that because, one, 
takes me a while to get over jet lag. So getting out there, doing a little bit of exercise, get on their time zone always helps me. And two, with, you know, the logistics of COVID, it was the first time in two and a half years I traveled to Europe and we just wanted to sort of get through it. You know, you, you had to have get an electronic digital European health pass. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then obviously, you, had to, you know, you had to get a series of tests. So um, uh, I did discover that in Europe, they do the PCP tests a little bit different. You know, they put that swab through the back of your brain. Uh, here it's like a little tinkle. It's like whoa, you know, you, you're like, oh, stop, stop. Well, yeah, yeah. The logistics of travel, of yeah. course, have changed dramatically, and we're still fighting through so that we can, you know, get back to some semblance of normality. But hey, really quick in the pre-show, we had a guest uh, the other day that was um, stuck in Dubai for ten days because they couldn't leave. Hmm. They were standing next to someone who uh, apparently didn't test properly for COVID, didn't pass the test. You're right, Kevin. And <laughs> and Dan, get this. As he was wrapping our live stream with us, he was three hours away from finally getting on a flight and getting liberated. So <laughs> it's amazing. Escape. Yes, escaping. But, you know, these governments around the world, there's a variety of different policies. And, you know, Dan, as you've alluded to, different different approaches and methodologies to, to tackling this pandemic. But anyway, we'll all look forward to getting back to where we can travel more freely. On that note, pre-show, Kevin and Dan, we realized, we uncovered that y'all have a mutual love for Singapore. Kevin, what's, what was a, uh, yeah. one of your favorite aspects of traveling to Singapore? I'll tell you, Singapore is my, one of my favorite cities. I uh, first enjoyed it when I was living in the Philippines and I was in the Navy. And I would go there, and I, I was a pilot in the Navy, and we would land at the airport and on the way to the hotel, there's this restaurant on the left side. And we would stop there every time and get, and I, it's either chili, chili lobster and uh, pepper crab or chili crab and pepper lobster or both. <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome. If you ever go to Singapore, you got to gotta try that out. You know, food is one of the favorite things here on supply chain now <laughs> you're right and, and it's a universally bonding element which is also a good thing all right so dan one you get the final question here as we're talking travel based on what kevin just shared about singapore one of his favorite places to go uh he mentioned some deli- what sounds like delicious food dishes what was your favorite part about singapore i did eat the same meal it was pretty good but i i th- there's that famous hotel shaped like a boat this is oh yeah famous we did stay there and uh They've got, you know, they've got that infinity pool. And I thought that was pretty cool, just the, the, the shape of the boat. But uh, um, but that pool up there, you know, managing to sneak in there, I think managed to sneak in there in between what well, the end of a long work day. That's right. Lots of, pretty cool. Lots of work. And oh, no, there was a, no, no, no fun. I'm telling no you, it's horrendous. <laughs> no adult the beverages. Horrible, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we've had a little bit of fun and, and I, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm jealous of you both. Corsica and Singapore are on our, our top 10 bucket list, but let's get down to business and, and do some heavy lifting here. And I want to start Dan first, and then Kevin, we're going to come to you. You know, mm-hmm. we're big believers in level setting. You know, what we're, we're going to be talking about, you know, P2P and O2C. Stay tuned. If you don't know what those are, we're going to uncover that. But let's start with just level setting about some of the things we're seeing out in the marketplace. You know, Dan, not only beyond your travels and beyond all the um, all the ways y'all help organizations, also your conversations with business leaders. When you pulse all of that, what are some things you're seeing out in the marketplace? 
two themes then, I think. Um, when I talk to supply chain leaders, one theme is when they look at how their customer service staff are being used, or should I say, they, they, they think about the customer service staff in that order acquisition, the process of receiving orders or inquiries from customers. W one of the problems going on right now is, so a lot of, a lot of folks are oversold. They're oversold. Therefore, there's a lot of pressure from the customer because the customer wants to know, well, okay, I've placed this order. Can you fulfill it? How long will it take? Are you going to give me that particular SKU or something else? Well, if it's going to be back ordered, how long? And in many cases, the customer is placing a lot more inquiries and questions before an order comes in. But the customer service staff are already, in many cases, I mean, labor is a big issue. And many customer service staff are either you know, they disappeared like many of the, 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 the staff we've seen in industries since COVID came along. And what I mean by that is people seem to have moved on to different roles, different jobs, their expectations, sure. the sort of work they're going to do has, has, or they're willing to do has changed. So Great a lot of resignation, right? Yeah. So a lot of supply chain leaders are saying, okay, I'm going to struggle here. I've got more work needed to place an order. Customer demand and expectation has gone up. We still have the Amazon like effect. But my, my customer service staff and my sales staff are bogged down because we get all these emails, questions, inquiries, and then we need to sort of be able to recognize that information is stored between the CRM, the ERP, email, which is a, for many a hot box or a nightmare. This yeah. information is in all different places. And what's happening for some is that the customer is calling the VP of supply chain or even the head of sales saying, you're not taking care of us. Your service levels are poor. We want to have information sent back almost immediately. And so one of the things we do see folks doing is saying, okay, can I provide the customer with automatic replies saying, okay, we recognize you've placed an order. We recognize you have an inquiry. Here's some of the information you need based on ship date or availability or what you can expect. Pass that information back as quick as you can, almost semi-automated or automated, so that you at least placate the customer. Maybe they can do something with that, that information. A lot of customer service reps or their leaders feel they're in a swivel chair. Right. You, you've been there, Kevin, on the, you know, you've yeah. taken off on the flight deck. You've got f folks there in the, um, you know, the control unit monitoring. We've got any sub uh, sonar threats? We've got any air threats? And they're back and forward. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe in the Navy, they focus on sonar, they focus on <laughs> air threats. But these customer uh, service reps, <laughs> these customer service reps, they're doing that. Okay, I've got CRM, I've got yeah. ERP, I've got, I've got internal systems and customers calling up or, or emailing and asking for a response. This is all difficult, not for just placing and handling orders. And supply chain leaders want fast information about, they want the demand signal. What do people right. want? Yeah. When do they want it? As folks bounce between these different systems, it's making it very hard for them to actually get a true picture, resolve issues, fix claims, issues, deductions, and at the same time, service the customer because because many folks are so oversold. The first thing they do when an order comes in is race to book or find materials mm. from somewhere. So yeah. there's a lot of pressure. And I'll talk about the second thing in, in an issue. I think all of this is compounded by labor. Yes. So let's pause there for just a second because you shared a lot there before we move into the second one. I, I, Kevin, I'd love for you to respond. And, I, and then I, I have a clarifying question for you. Kevin, respond to that first observation. See, what, what I hear is that the organization is really struggling with 
identifying and collecting data and then turning that data into information so that you can actually do effective action. So pre-COVID, everybody was used to having data in the office or in locations and they knew where to go. Then when COVID hit and everybody went home, they realized that they didn't have access to that data. And for, you know, for the first six, seven, eight months, people said, well, you know, this is going to get over. We'll get back into the office. So we won't worry about doing anything major. We'll just, we'll get through it. And then people realize that there is no getting through. People are, <laughs> people still now need to be able to get access to data to create information from anywhere. Right. And these people include your customers. So now you have to figure out how to get that data, identify it quickly and get it to the, uh, the need as fast as possible. And this is driving business process engineering, understanding what data is important, who needs that data and how to change that data into information to make effective action. Love that. Uh, you you got to be able to manage and, and uh, play in a uh, transformational time, right? Things have right. changed dramatically on a number of different planes. I want to, one more clarifying question for you, Dan, before you move to your second observation, because what some of what I heard is, is that pre-sale, all those pre-sale activities, before you're even assured that there's going to be revenue produced from those activities, you know, because, you know, sometimes the customers don't place the order. So some of what I heard there is how you're seeing businesses try to optimize that time that's spent before you know if the order is going to be placed and if all that work's going to lead to revenue. There's a there's a great opportunity to optimize and improve that aspect of the order to cash cycle. Would you agree? Yeah, it makes me think of two examples. One is a CIO at a, chemi a chemical industrial tape manufacturer who said to me years ago, I would like to be able to track all those situations where folks try to place an order but we didn't give them exactly what they wanted because then I'd like to see, did they make a mistake? Did we, are we not carrying the right solutions? Do we need a tweak? Because they tried to order something different. We didn't have it or, or there's something going on there. So there'd be value in knowing that. The second one is I remember talking to a sales leader for a aviation distribution unit in the Southwest. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, Dan, for every sales order we actually book, we have three or more inquiries. And he said, I realized we could increase sales if we could at least respond to those inquiries and give them right. a quote. But then he said, so there we, we could increase sales revenue because we'd be faster to serve, faster to answer. But then more value would come if we could actually convert the sales order. So sales order comes in. Can we convert that? Recognize that we've already got information because we gave them a quote based on what they asked for previously. Well, there's a lot of manual effort today involved in generating that. Can't I create an order by pulling in all the information, the demand, all that history, all that knowledge, and if need be, present it to the customer. I think this is what you want. Is this what you want? Just double check. Mm. Or having taken that 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 uh, quote history, create an order in the ERP. Obviously, it's got to be accurate. It's got to be right, but it's fast. And, and, and right. it's removing some of those steps. You know, even this week when I was talking to some of my reps about growth, how do we continue this great growth trajectory we've been, we've been on? Sometimes reps will point to red tape. 
What can you do as a sales leader to remove red tape, red tape, friction or delays? And I think these, these things that we're talking about here are all about doing that to improve the customer experience. Agreed. I'm with you. And, and, you know, all too often folks think of improvements and using technology to increase margins, but there's also to your point, that top line of revenue opportunity, you know, as I heard you describe that, I think of my time of metal stamping where we get requests for quotes all the time. Right. And, and you're trying to squeeze, you're trying to figure out what the smart business plays are to the things that weren't as such a good fit. And, and of course, spending most of your time on that smart business. Well, the thing is you still have to get back to the customer and be with a good competitive quote so they can, you know, that they've got some information and can make a decision. That sounds a lot easier than it is for many organizations. So Dan, I appreciate you bringing that up. Let's move to, as we continue our level setting, so much to cover, so little time. Let's move to your second big observation here in terms of what you're seeing out, out in the market today. Okay, and you did just make me think of one other point. Okay, I'm going to mention it. I'm going to... When I, when I hunt, I was hunting this weekend, and that does tend to involve lots of time sitting there reflecting, watching you know, slow days. I've been listening to Stanley McChrystal's book, Team of Teams. Mm-hmm. In that book, the main premise is that in the past, we focused on efficiency predominantly. It was all about business efficiency, you know, getting 100 units out instead of the traditional 30 units. A key that he says is what, what in, the, in the modern age of all this data and this, this, these, these networks is what we have to do is bring and enable our teams and our, our CSRs or supply chain planners to have agility. He says, that is what we didn't have in Iraq early days. We, 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 we changed that. He says, that's what, and he says, what we came to realize it wasn't just for the, the, the special operations command. It was business needs it too. The ability to use technology, free up our folks to be more agile, to therefore go serve the customer or prevent issues or fix issues quickly. Yeah. I'll take a pause. I'm ready to go to the, my second point, but do you want, can Kevin? I keep going or should I stop? Yeah. You want to respond to that really quick? Well, one of the things about agility is critical in all processes, but many times we get stuck in a process and we don't know how to get out of it. And people don't like change. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a forcing function. Typically you need a forcing function in order to change existing processes. So it, it's a change in mindset where agility is important. That's because management, leadership, provides that freedom to to change and drive that change of thought. So on that note, um, I think we could probably stay right here for uh, several hours of this podcast discussion. And by the way, I've got to add Stanley McChrystal's book to my my, uh, list of those to read there, Dan. But let's get into your second observation for the sake of time. And then we're going to move into some, some additional level setting and what we're seeing organizations do about some of these challenges we've identified. So Dan, what's the second observation? I hinted earlier, the second one is labor and labor. So many of the supply chain leaders I speak to have said that we were already thinking about, could we make the customer service role, the supply chain planner role more interesting um, before COVID? COVID hit, suddenly people have to be empowered and able to work from home. Many folks have to stay at home and look after their children. So we're being hit on a double whammy because we were already thinking or needing that we had to make the work more valuable, repurpose the positions, grow the responsibilities so those folks would stay within the organization and not depart. One company I'm aware of, a, um, a manufacturer in Chicago, has lost 50% of their CSRs in the last wow. five months. 50%. And that was so then you, you, you've got this turnover going on. You've got these manual processes that people don't want to do, don't enjoy. 
Then many of these companies are oversold. Customers have are getting becoming frustrated both by you know the situation in, on the macro level and their engagement with your company. Managers and directors even are having to step in and do more manual type work when traditionally they'd be looking at, okay, how can we be more efficient or how can we be more agile or how can we plan for the future? That actually often leads to more errors because they're not used to doing the the day-to-day work or they're pulled away from doing the type of deep social thought value engineering work that they need to be doing. So you've got this sort of cocktail, this problematic cocktail going on where the you know labor is causing problems and i think um go back to the example in chicago they said our error rate has gone up and actually our demand planners have ended up replenishing items that we ordered wrong subsequently so they're they're back they're they're ordering again because they're looking at what what did we buy no we'd actually bought that and it was a mistake and that cost us you know cash flow yeah the errors that keep on giving the the Mm. first time errors that lead to second time errors and third time errors right Uh, that's a great that is a great call out uh kevin respond to that a minute because you know it's bad enough we set back when you make the error and you make it right again you know you, you lose a little traction but man dan's talking about how again it's the errors that keep on giving what'd you hear there Well, I see one of the things that we have seen is the lack of visibility in in business flows and business processes, because many of those, as Dan has pointed out, are manual. They're not automated. They're not standardized. It's difficult to or impossible to hand off like a customer from one CSR to another CSR or to this manager who's now sitting at the desk because they don't have enough uh, labor to manage the customers because it's all manual, it's not automated, it's not standardized because there's no visibility in the internal processes of the organization. This, This is really what's happening today and it's why organizations are looking to redesign their business processes, identify what data is critical to those processes that also enables the agility that you may need as things change. And no, mark my words, change is constant in today's world, in today's business. So you can't afford to have a static business process. Kevin, excellent. Yeah. Uh, good stuff there. A lot of, a lot of, there's so much to uncover in, in, as, we, as we try to, again, free our people up, right? Free yeah. our people up. Let them. As you, mundane activities, right? That's right. That is right. So I want to continue. Level setting is so important, we feel, in, in this era where we're moving so fast. We're moving at the at the speed of a thousand gazelles. You know I was going to say that, Dan. You know I was going to say it. So, <laughs> folks, if you don't, if that phrase doesn't sound familiar, you got to go check out some of Dan's previous appearances. I want to move to you know, we love our acronyms in global business and certainly in global supply chain. Dan, I will get you to define a couple. And then Kevin, I want you to also really equip our listeners with some other, uh, to be aware for some other acronyms that they're certainly going to hear a lot more of. Let's start though, Dan, with P2P. What is P2P? So the market typically refers to P2P as activities involved in procure to pay. The activities involved in buying goods and services Maybe going through an approval. Sometimes folks will not go through an approval and get a purchase order, or maybe they have a contract in the background. But it's procure to pay typically does cover both 
purchase of direct and indirect goods and services. I, are you buying raw materials or are you buying lighting and laptops and markers, paper, that will that will um, indirect spend that you need for the uh, for the office that supports the factory and, and the distribution units. So procure to pay, and then pay typically is okay. Well, we we need to pay the vendor. COVID's led to a big change here. Actually, a lot of folks have said, ah, we don't want to cut checks anymore. I mean, I work right. with a healthcare organization in Miami. Somebody stole their checks in the middle of COVID and tried to cash them. Wow. All the checks that were mail bound to suppliers so that one a lot of people didn't want to come in the office because they were you know obviously worried about picking up covid and and wanted to take care of their health and the health of their families understandably two a lot of companies said okay we probably need to move away from posting checks for the risk of fraud and three maybe the icing on the cake if not the driver many of the suppliers are willing to take a virtual payment or already perhaps taken virtual payment of some sort and you know there's organizations like corpay master data who are when i say procure to pay you can go even further right. pay can actually be let's actually pay the vendor pay them at the speed of a thousand gazelles because if you pay them really quick well they may well be willing to take an early pay or give you an early payment discount or or you can get some rebates you know as much as two percent against your spend mm. that trend has really been lit up by covid yeah. uh, from what, what leaders tell me I agree. And, and we see a lot of it. In fact, I'd, I'd, I'd take it a step further and call to some degree these last couple of years as procurement purgatory, especially for small oh. businesses. They have to jump through hoop after hoop after hoop to get paid. Mm. You know, eventually that company that, that owes you know, on the invoice, they develop a reputation for mm. who are easy to work with and who that you do all the work up front and hoping and prayer eventually you'll collect on all of that good work. So, so I really, I think this, what you're talking about, really a uh, finger on the pulse of a lot of pain out there. Let's also talk on a similar note, O2C, order to cash, right? Tell us about that. I will. I've got to say it before I forget it. You made a great point there, Scott. Many companies now are having to buy goods and services from many different vendors, okay? Because there's a risk in just relying on a single sole source vendor. You know, they might... All their raw material might be stuck stuck in the Gulf somewhere or on some ship, you know. Right. And, and so the reality is, it's important. And many companies are realizing the way you compete is not just through price and product alone. It's price, product, service, and your supplier is part of the network you've got to take care of if you want to take care of you and retain or grow your customer base. So uh, good point. Order to cash is those activities involved in capturing uh, the order through to um, collecting money. So you could say, well, at first point, and this is COVID applicable, first, we're going to do more business or we're going to bring on a new customer. So we need to credit check them. We need to onboard them. We need to make sure they're not a risk to our business. Then they're going to bring sending orders to us through various different formats, EDI, e-commerce, web, PDF, you name it. Homing pigeons. I have seen napkins. I have seen napkins from, from being sent to a $1 billion organization in the UK. Farmers were sending occasionally napkins for potassium. Same again, please. Same as last month. You know, you don't see many of those nowadays, but that, that, I thought that was great. So order the cash, the, 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 the process of bringing customers on board, capturing that demand signal of the order, and then invoicing them accurately, chasing up that money, 
as automated as possible, chasing those who are least, you know, those who row the most or those that where your chasing efforts can be most effective. And then the key thing that a lot of folks are beginning to really pay attention to is the, the process to apply the cash. Because what many have gone through, and in some ways, the growth of e-commerce and e-payments has made this more tricky, is payments often come in decoupled from the actual the, the statement or the invoice that right. you sent out. So you're like, well, okay, you've paid me a hundred thousand dollars, but you've got fifteen different invoices. Are you paying off all of those? Um, you know, is this money all to be paid against the invoice or your account? And or increasingly, okay, there's short pays. I don't know why I've got short pay here, right. and I need to go and talk to customer service and shipping and logistics and finance and management to see if we'll approve the short pay or research if it was valid. But I haven't gone. We're struggling with staff already. Right. We talked about right. how labor is a big problem. So this was a massive headache for companies even before COVID. As much as 4% of a company's margin can be stolen or lost right there. Uh, short pays, deductions. Anyway, so that's order to cash. And I think traditionally many companies were focused, including software vendors, on solutions for the order to invoice. But we shouldn't forget that cash process as well. Excellent point. And, and we know firsthand, right. we, we, see, we see all the time how payments are disconnected to the invoice that was sent out. And then if there's a short pay or, or an overpay or a timing issue, you know, the, the control function or the controller function or, or the uh, AP, you, you name it, they're so far downstream, they're not sure exactly what took place and what to marry with what. So it just creates more heartburn, especially for organizations that are sending out thousands of invoices and, and are trying to marry up and, and disposition uh, tens of thousands of, of transactions. So excellent point there, Dan. Kevin, I want to bring you in here, whether you want to kind of make a follow-up point on what Dan just shared or what other acronyms should we be having on our radar here these days? Well, you know, I'm all about uh, digital transformation and the, the acronyms that are critical to digital transformation are really all about enabling the organization to reduce the labor required to um, uh, process information and data. You know, one of the things in manual manual business processes, you're leveraging a human to review the data, to decide what it's attached to, what it referred to, and to dispose with or take action in order to leverage or use that data. But now, uh, in digital transformation, we are finding that a lot of our humans are being underutilized and that artificial intelligence can be used to do some of these mundane tasks. So uh, the hot acronym today is AI because AI or artificial intelligence is, uh, can be associated with systems that are self-aware and capable of, quote, rational thought that can take this data in and uh, interpret the data and take action on it. I mean, we use it every day with optical character recognition and people don't see that as AI, but, but it is. And it allows the machine to read documents and make decisions and take automated tasks. The other thing is that we've talked about before this business process management or engineering, BPM. And this is where you can look at your business process and identify where you need humans and where you really don't need humans. And that's typically the first step in a business transformation 
journey. So it addresses a couple of issues that Dan highlighted. First of all, the speed. It can make a process much faster. And if you can respond to a customer faster, that customer is happier. Um, and then you can accelerate payment so you can improve your cash flow. But it also helps on the labor because you can reduce the labor required right. uh, in right. your organization. And the third is RPA or robotic process automation. So this is software that can be used to automate all of your structured business processes. Once you do this BPM, you know how to create a standard in your process, then you can apply uh, RPA or the robotic process automation to not leverage or not need that labor any, anymore. So the RPA can do these tasks in less time with greater accuracy at a fraction of the cost. Plus, it worked 24 seven without taking a lunch break or feeding them. Right. So <laughs> well, you know, all of this is really part of digital transformation. I, I love that. And, and, you know, that labor, uh, those team members can also be reassigned. I mean, oftentimes you're talking about folks that may know the organization very well. And we all know the tribal knowledge that's leaving out the door based on pay rate differentials, based on burnout, you name it. So gosh, if you can, uh, apply technology again to take away these mundane tasks that that technology can probably do better anyway, and then give these folks opportunities to really apply themselves in new ways of creating new value for organization, which also would take some of the burden off of our great HR folks and recruiters that are uh, into battles, as Dan mentioned, uh, on the right. hunt for for great talent. So really, it's, it's a win yeah. all the way around, right? Absolutely, yeah. I actually. Dan, on some of our earlier conversations, I believe this was one of your main objectives on a strategic level is to free up team members and, and that are involved in this P2P and O2C process. Um, can you give maybe a few examples of, of how this happens? Yeah, I mean, you, you remind me of, um, and I'm going to cover RPA, machine learning, AI briefly, but uh, as I answer this, Scott, you talked about, you know, we're in, we're in the biggest labor threat or dynamic we've, ever, we've seen for, for many, many years. And, um, you know, years ago, I was MCR Safety, they're a great company in Tennessee, and they make safety products. And the GM said, we were there, and they were deploying Esker's technology for machine learning AI of order automation. They had a tool that didn't really allow them to scale. They wanted to rip that out. And they said, we want something that if orders have been through your network already, great. That's learning we don't need to do. Um, you, your AI will, will observe and watch users of it as they tweak or adjust sales orders, and it'll learn all that. And it'll do it accurately, and it will free up our folks to go and do cross-selling, upselling, education, planning. And we don't mind. They said, hey, today one of our CSRs is moving in to become a procurement officer. We celebrate that. The customer service manager said, I celebrate it. You know, I feel like I've managed to contribute to that gentleman's career. I'm a little sad to see him go, but I'm far more happy to see him stay within the organization versus leave. The GM, I spoke to the GM, and he says, the thing I hate, Dan, is when we lose that talent. We spend so much time hiring them, training them, 
really trying to you know make make them sort of enjoy the work life here having to spend so much time more on that but then to lose that 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 that, that person who who can go into the industry with, and, and but they know so much that they, they could probably contribute to our business so he's this is even pre-covid and right. it's it's just sim- simply been amplified tenfold now in covid where you know the whole customer service staff or the whole procure to pay staff are thinking is this the type of work i want to do how long do I do this before I get get to my next sort of progression? Right. I went to university, or I've, I've you know I'm skilled at fixing problems and issues. When can you free me up to, to collaborate with procurement or to go and talk to the supplier or the customer about how we can improve processes? So I think one point, Kevin, is RPA has its play. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people use it on the front or the back end of ESCA. When folks deploy ESCA, they'll often say we do use RPA in certain processes. But when we want a when we want a dedicated process, a business process like order management or payables, we might do like Montreal Airport did. They injected, in their case, they used Salonis. Mm-hmm. As shout out to those guys, they injected that te- that business process mining technology into their organization, looking to see if there was any holes in in the tire. It said you've got broken processes compared to others. You could make a lot of improvements in in, in payables. They then went on a journey to look for a AI machine learning technology for procure to pay, looked at a number of vendors and said, we, we like the look of ESCA. So I think, you know, the, I agree with all that you said, basically. Yeah. <laughs> that's how nice is that? Uh, that's like a, yeah. a, a gift box with a ribbon, nice ribbon up on top. So I was thinking, so um, if you're, you're saying that people are doing that today as we go into hopefully post-COVID and we move into 2022, what is the one thing that business leaders need to focus on? Is it RPA? Is it AI? Is it something else? Well, you said digital transformation. I think that's a better term because RPA is just one set of scripts and bots. It has its place. I mean, many of my customers, the CIOs, will use RPA. I'm, I'm not naive to that. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right solution uh, for business process automation every time. I think mm-hmm. there's there's various different technologies out there. I think the digital transformation was a bit of a buzzword, but it's really it's going to stick because companies have realized not only can they be efficient and agile and grow and, and retain that growth now if they go through their digital transformation. It's almost like companies were getting into it COVID has broken the ship away from the dock and, and everybody realizes we have to do it. And I think part of it is not just because the customer and the supplier has different expectations. We have to make sure we're serving those networks, not just the customer. But I think the staff, I think increasingly, we want work that is more engaging, more interesting. And for many, they're not going to even join or stay very long if the work is mundane and there's, you know, there's not some kind of elements of um, digital transformation or efficiency mm. or, or the ability for them to, here's another book for you, Cal Newport. It's a black and yellow book. Cal Newport's a famous MIT professor. He wrote a book saying, free up your staff because you do your most effective work when you block out time to go and write your book. When you block out time to get away from those emails and focus on value, a valuable conversation with a supplier or a customer. He knocked out more research papers than any MIT professor at his age in, 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 in a short period of time. And he said, I do it by focus. Get rid of social media. Cut that off your phone. Focus, focus, focus. And, and I think the opportunity is, can I free my folks up, not just to sort of engage with customers and suppliers, 
but maybe even, you know, can AP go and have a chat with payables or procurement? Hey guys, look, this is going on. And I wonder, is, is this really something that possibly starts in procurement? Right. Or, you know, or is it maybe it starts in procurement, but it's really because the sales reps have set certain expectations? Mm. Or is it just because this customer is difficult? Freeing up folks to go and do these sort of inter, you know, inter-department conversations or mini little projects where people are challenged, but think, oh, I'm, I'm getting to develop you know, new skills and learn about different parts of the business. I think we're going to have to do that sort of thing for people to stay. Agreed. Stays, stays a new challenge, I think. And, and stay in an engaged manner where mm-hmm. they, they feel part and connected and they're contributing and, and they're being fulfilled. I think, and so we're th- while we're throwing books out there, I'll throw a book out there. I used to work for a gentleman named Ray Atia out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And he wrote a book that really resonates, very, very straightforward concept focused on run, improve, and grow. Run, improve, grow. And you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole thrust of it is you, know, you can't spend 100% of your time running the business at, at any level, you know, whether you're frontline or whether you're in a CEO suite, you got to find a way of building a system, building the business that frees up that time to improve the business, but also frees up that time to grow the business. And of course, business strategy, you know, you talk about growing organization enterprise, you know, the, the, the leaders of the organization are challenged with that. So that's where the ratios should be a little different perhaps, but Everyone plays a part in running and uh, in improving and growing the business. You can't run all the time. You have to think sometimes. That's right. You got to call <laughs> Kevin. You know what? That is a million dollar point because as simple as it is, it is a powerful point. You know, some of my, some I don't know about y'all, but some of my biggest mo- eureka moments have come when I've called time out to, to Dan's point, shut down social, shut right. down Zoom, shut right. down email, and just dedicate some time, some focus to figuring out, okay, why are we doing this? Or why is this happening? And Dan, that's kind of what you're speaking to. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes it's, it's, it's interesting how they say three days, you know, away from email and, and, and all the rest of it. And that's when your creativity will come back. And sometimes I do find when you give, you know, you will give you or your people a little bit of a break or, you know, get them out of the office or get to do something and it's slightly different, you know, that day or the day after creativity, somebody has an idea, you know, and, and um, so I think finding those opportunities to do that, you know, I think we're tapping into, we're, it seems like we're having a book competition today. There's so seven habits of highly effective people, sharpen the saw, you know, you, you, you know, sharpen the saw. Sharpen the saw, yeah. Well, yeah. But at, at the core, bringing it back, bringing it back. And of course, we've got to mention Kevin's Click the Transform bestseller, but bringing it back to the, the, the conversation here and the relevancy is leaning on effective and successful technology to help free up your team, help free up the people and get some of those hours back, but then you can apply in different aspects of the organization. And that strikes me as a big part of what uh, the potential that Esker has and a big part of what Esker delivers to the companies you work with. Right, Dan? Yeah. I mean, people ask me, what do you do? And I said, I like to say, you know, folks will turn to us, supply chain leaders, finance leaders, customer service leaders, They'll turn to us because they're trying to free up their staff to be rock stars. And that's better serving customer, the supplier uh, in particular, within order to cash, procure to pay. Nice way to put it. Yeah, it is. Uh, Kevin, what rock star would you want to be? <laughs> what rock star I want to be? You know, I'm old school. So my, uh, I love Earth, Wind, and Fire. And the thing I like about Earth, Wind, and Fire because they have morphed over the years but their music, no matter how old it is, seems to resonate. 
So that's what I want to be. I want to be a rock star that no matter how old I am, I'm still resonating with the industry. I love that. And Dan, I'm going to ask you how folks can connect with you in a minute. But, you know, the Rolling Stones are, are, are on their next tour. It's amazing. I just saw a commercial for it. <laughs> and I didn't realize the little, or maybe the big rivalry and, and war of words they've had with the Beatle, or uh, I guess um, the lead singer of Rolling Stones, uh, Jagger. Mick Jagger. Jagger, and yeah, Paul Jagger. McCartney. They're, oh, really? They're still exchanging some things. But anyway, really? Dan. <laughs> two I was going to say Jagger, because anybody who can party like Jagger for like the best part of 40, 50 years <laughs> still right. be alive. He seems uh, to have, you know, he seems to, you know, figure a few things, few things out, I guess. Yes. It out. Yeah. yeah. Hey, this conversation is coming full circle. We had, we've had some travel. We've had some food. We've had some sports. We've had some transformation. And now we're having some rock and roll. So two questions for you, Dan. First off, what rock and roll star would you be? And then let's make sure folks know how to connect with you. Hi, I'm torn. You know, it's either Bono because, you know, he's all the traveling and the influence he has. Well, I think Jagger, because Jagger's clearly had a good time and, you know, enjoying <laughs> still around and, you know, so still doing it at the highest level. So maybe it, Jagger. It's remarkable. It was right. truly remarkable. Okay. So it's, it's good to have maintain a good, healthy sense of humor as we're, we're fighting through some of the challenges of this time. Some of the most important uh, aspects impacting global business. So let's make sure, uh, Dan, you know, we've enjoyed several conversations. We've had you with you and the Esker team. Uh, the work you are doing out in the industry as we're, we're uh, making progress through this digital transformation, or really, Kevin, as we've talked about it, it's business mm-hmm. transformation uh, era business. that we're getting through, yeah. right? Dan, how can folks connect with you? Uh, Daniel.reeve at esca.com. They could just hit the esca website, esca.com. Or my number, 608-828-6135. Man. You'll find me on LinkedIn as well. That's um, brave. Yeah. I love it. Hey, he's bold and fearless. Uh, Kevin, uh, that's what we've learned about Dan Reeve. And, you know, by the way, y'all, y'all put out a great uh, podcast and other thought, thought leadership via digital content. So look for that out there. Um, before we wrap up, Kevin, I'll make sure folks know how to connect with you as well. Yeah. So on Twitter, Kevin underscore Jackson, I'm also on, on LinkedIn, but the best way it's through Digital Transformers, my show here on Supply Chain Now. So um, I tell you, this has been an awesome time. And, and Dan, thank you for your time and perspective. You know, we're going to have to bring you back because we seem to be out of time. But there's just so much we can talk about. We didn't even get to your hunting trip. So um I guess we'll have to get you back on the docket. So okay, we're going to make sure we double down on the wildlife component on the next show with Dan, Kevin. How's that sound? Yeah. That puts yeah. pressure on. That puts the pressure on. I better go out and be successful so, next time. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we also, I want to thank the audience for, um, because without you, we wouldn't be successful. So I'd like to invite everyone to check out the wide variety of industry thought leadership that we provide through supplychainnow.com. You can find Digital Transformers now wherever you get your podcast. So please be sure to subscribe. And on behalf of the entire team here at Supply Chain Now, this is Kevin Jackson and Scott Luton wishing all of our listeners a bright and transformational future. We'll see you next time on Digital Transformers. Thanks, everybody. 
Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.